So possibly, I don't know, it's the worst or story I have from an audition, but it's just a memorable one I have is I was auditioning for the retour or the remount, sorry, of translations in the national. So I went in and I was very kind of like uh, very excited about the audition, had all my T's crossed and my I's dotted and went in and met the director and was doing the, you know, I was giving my interpretation of the character. It was auditioning for Dodie Brady. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now Dodie in Translations is uh, connected with these twins that remain, they remain off stage for the duration of the play. And like, it's, you know, about occupation and kind of the, the erasure of Irish place names and so on. So for me, like Dodie, there was like a little nugget of darkness and I was really kind of drawn on that. But I imagine this mightn't have been what um, the director would have, what director he was going for. But I also thought, this is going to be in the Olivier. There's 2,000 seats in the Olivier. So give it socks, like. Yeah, so we're in this no kind better, of, man. Yeah, yeah, sure, why not? Um, we're in this relatively small room and I'm doing the piece, like, and, and I'm giving it absolute whiskey. And I thought the whole thing did what it meant to do. I was happy with my rendition and got my, you know what I mean, my interpretation across and reworked the scene a couple of times, thought to myself, yeah, brilliant, great. Walked out there, cloud nine. Walked out, delighted with myself. Following day and my agent calls me and I answer the phone and I'm all business. Well, John, how are we getting on? How are things? John's, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, yeah. Just uh, head back from the national there. And uh, how are you, yeah? Like, of course I go, you got it. Uh, John goes, um, yeah, no, unfortunately it didn't go your way. I went, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah he goes, um, yeah, your uh, performance was a bit um, too big, a bit theatrical. To which I responded, uh, John, it was for the Olivier. It's 2,000 seats in it. So you're saying that my performance is only fit to be viewed from space. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? You think that you've nailed it. And... You know, yeah. you could be completely wrong. <laughs> the point being, you never really know answer until you get the call saying that someone is and like, and like, you know, it's a certain degree of arrogance on my behalf, like, you know, that I had to reckon with afterwards. I had to have a little <laughs> chat with myself and go, come on now, Fox, you know, rein it in a bit. But um, that was my uh, audition story. this week's episode of Irish Theatre of Play with me, your host, Dr. Carol Quigley. This week, I am, as always, Exira and Delira to welcome on my fantastic guest this week. Um, I thought it was about time we had a proper actor on, you know, somebody who's who's out there with, as you'll have heard, some wonderful audition stories. So I'm absolutely delighted to invite the wonderful Sean Fox um, on with me here this evening. And we're going to chat kind of all things acting and acting in a COVID world, acting in a pre-COVID world, drama school and all the rest of it. So, Sean, you're very welcome. Delighted for you to be here. So, tell us, who are you? Where are you? How would you get into acting? Tell us everything. Well, thanks very much for having me. Um, I am from Leitrim. I went to uh, college in UCD, or joined the Drama Society. 
uh, I was fairly active in the local drama society in um, in Leitrim, in Manor Hamilton, Glens Players. And uh, yeah, I went up to UCD and joined Dramstock and just, uh, I was supposed to do a civil engineering degree, which I did do. And finished. You did do? But yeah, I got I, I got a degree. Um, so uh, I got a degree anyway, but um, I, which I will touch on later. Um, mm-hmm. because, uh, it, 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 it has been the backbone of my income ever since. Um, but the, yeah, so did UCD instead of going to my lectures, I did about 30 plays and a year. Then I went to, uh, Irish student drama awards and I got signed off, uh, got signed with my first agent off the back of that. And then was kind of jobbing around Dublin for a year or two. I did a year in Bow Street, I did the full-time acting course the very first year of it. It was the factory at the time. And then when I finished the factory, I applied for London Drama Schools. So I would have applied while I was in UCD as well. So I had applied three times. So I had applied three times over four years. So mm-hmm. if I applied the first, second year, didn't reply the third, and then reapplied again in the fourth year and got into um, Lambda off the waiting list. And yeah, so then I went to London. Uh, spent two years at Lambda, uh, which was uh, an incredible experience. Um, drama school is kind of funny because depending on who you talk to, there's very individual experiences in terms of drama schools and mm. whether you had a good, you were a good fit with the drama, sorry, whether the drama school was a good fit with you right. as opposed to you being a good fit with the drama school because there's nothing wrong with you in the first place. Um, then, yeah, so then kind of like came out of Lambda and was lucky, landed a few gigs coming out. I landed two gigs kind of back-to-back coming out of Lambda. And, of course, it was the first time I actually earned, like, money. Like, prop, like you know. Mm-hmm. Like livable money. money. Livable money, yeah. But it's sure, you know what I mean, like, that money to someone who's going to drama school and has lived on biscuits and beans for the last mm-hmm. 10 years was, like, winning the Euro Millions. And the space of about two weeks, I had, um, as, you know, you know, when I had less sense, um, mm-hmm. managed to uh, spend it um, very foolishly. So then I was faced with the kind of, I have no money, I'm after coming out of drama school, and what am I going to do for a job across? Mm-hmm. That's going to, which I think is kind of like, and I was lucky that I did the civil engineering because I worked as an engineer in between acting jobs mm-hmm. for the last five or six years. Mm. and yeah like for me it was something that I've no particular love for or anything like that but it has by virtue of the fact that I had a, I have something I run I'm, I'm running kind of like almost two careers concurrently yeah and um, never the twain shall meet um but by virtue of that fact is that I haven't really kind of missed out on any opportunities that is afforded you know to like what we like to call or I like to call civilians mm. um so that's kind of our muggles, as they're fondly known, the the non-acting, the non-acting people, people who haven't gotten bit by the by that bug. By the bug, um, yeah. I'd say bug, like it's in a in a way, it's fantastic. In other ways, it's an absolute affliction. Um, yeah. At the time, uh, depending on exact, it's depending on what you could get me, and I could have landed a job, mm. and it's the best job in the world, or you could be a year between jobs, and mm. like you're like, what am I doing with my life? So, yeah. Like, that, 
And it can be a case where you get a, a number of doors close in your face in a row and you think, what the hell's going on here? And then actually you just need that one chance or and then you'll be all infected by it again. And There's no such thing as an overnight success. Yeah. Um, there is no there is no such thing as an overnight success because overnight successes have put in their years training. They've mm. put in years of daydreaming about what they wanted to do what they're going to do when they get their chance. They get their chance. Now, there's coincidence and so on and so forth. And there is mm-hmm. kind of like, I tend to look at it as keys and locks. Like if you, mm-hmm. like, if you're, you know what I mean? If if your lock, if your lock comes up, and you happen to be the key to open that lock. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, more power to you. Now, some people, and I wouldn't be one of them, some people can open more locks than others. <laughs> So uh, I wouldn't refer to myself as a one-trick pony, but I definitely have yeah. a, a strong suit, um, yeah. which I, I I tend to play into a little bit because mm. it um, it's all. But you see it in so many professional actors, so many really successful actors. Like you know what an Albert, you know. I'm not. I am not comparing myself <laughs> to that. You know, just let's not take this clear. out of context. <laughs> yeah, this this can't be. It's coming like The Simpsons, where the clock hand is moving with the <laughs> over and back. Um, but um, there's a certain, you know, some people are incredibly versatile in their range mm. and in what they're, what they're like naturally capable of. Like mm. I've got friends who are incredible mimics. They can meet, they meet somebody like, but it's, I, th- I think that it kind of also as well, like it's their sense of humor. Yeah. Their sense of humor is based on mimicry. It's based yeah. on like, you know, taking people off and so on and so forth. Whereas mm. I never really had those skills. And I like to think that my sense of humor is based on some degree of intelligence weight. Um, but then again, uh, could be entirely wrong with that one too. I've been known to make absolute clangers. Um, this is my first podcast, uh, so I'm quite nervous. Don't but, be nervous. You're wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Um, but uh, actually, that's a good thing for anybody listening to this who's thinking of going into acting or, you know, going to drama school or doing drama as an undergrad or that. People don't stop being nervous. No. And if you It'd be weird ner- if you did. Yes. If you stop being nervous, um, everyone is different. But in terms of like, like I don't get sick on the side of the stage or anything like that. Mm. And like, according as according as like or the run goes on, I get more and more comfortable in it. Like, mm. but like still open at night. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's you know, it's squeaky bum time. Like, it's you yeah. know what I mean. You want to be, you want to be prepared. You want to be ready to go. Like, well, there is something about that liveness, and this is something that you know I would always teach students in terms of kind of the differences between um, the live event versus film or that kind of thing. Like. You're standing on stage. Anytime anything could go wrong, you could forget a line, you could fall over. You, you know, there is that liveness that, you know, if you're filming something, you're able to go, actually, sorry, mess that up, come start again, or, you know, whatever it is. So it is, there is a weird kind of a thrill, but a nervousness that's always there. Yeah, like the, like anything in life, like it's like life, but dialed up to a million because. <laughs> You don't walk around day to day with, you know what I mean, anywhere up to a thousand people looking at you, scrutinizing your very mm. existence. Mm. Um, so, like, for me, yeah, for me, it's a it's a ferocious thrill. Like, and when, and when you're dialed, when you're on stage, when you're on stage with somebody, and the two of you are dialed in, and mm. like it's and like you're playing, you're up there playing tennis at the highest level, like, mm. you know what I mean, and it's just an incredible feeling. Whereas you could very well be up there and you might be playing squash with a mm. lad that's deaf. So yeah. it's when I say deaf, I mean as in like he's not responding. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. Deaf, at least 
responding, not responding to what you're offering or so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling here now. No, that's um, good, that's good. And to talk to us, so you said you got an agent um, out of going to ISDA for the first time. So how did that kind of come about? Uh, well, like, that's kind of down to, so I was, kind of, I was I used to email loads of people and I was like, yeah. I was in the show and like, I was fortunate enough that I won Best Actor at the, at the, at the performance or I found it mm. afterwards. They didn't, they didn't just immediately cart out this. That's it. That's it. You won. You're the best. That's it. Um, we don't need to see anybody else. Everybody can go it. home no, now. You've got, you've got a kid. You're going to be a star. Uh, so the next thing is, um, so I'd email a load of agents and stuff like that and try to come out to UCD. And mm. so my agent at the time, he I, he said he was going to be there. Like, so I came out after the performance, you know, waiting to see, or like, like one of the people that I courted, like, and mm. um, waiting to see, like, you know, was he there? Or, and there's no one there. And then I went to the, the booth or to the box office and they asked, mm. like, you know, did such and such show up? And they said, no, no, that ticket was never collected. I was quite crestfallen. And mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, uh, so that was only part. Like that was the only person I kind of really had any kind of like over and back with. Mm-hmm. So anyway, fast forward through the awards, and got the thing anyway. And of course, I was on a bit of a high anyway. So Monday morning anyway. I suppose the thing was on Saturday night. Monday morning, right? You were still drinking. Ah, I wouldn't say that. No, I'd say I was. I was. I really enjoyed myself that weekend. Yeah. And uh, Monday morning, I rang him up anyway hold his brass and kind of was like well how are things uh, what do you think of the show and he was kind of like um oh no sorry man i didn't get to see it uh, i said oh no no worries no worries one best actor and your man burst out laughing on the phone and uh then he went uh so we're sure we, we, we take you on there as a on a trial basis there and i said sure you we'll see how it goes anyway mm. and then that was so he was with, i was with um i was with him for the best part of four years then and stuff like um, there is a certain amount of brazenness. I you know that is yeah. brazen. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is brazen. It's not and like it's okay. I'm not saying that's okay for me, but it sits in my personality and it's owned. Is yeah. that I know when some people can pull something off. Mm-hmm. So like there's no point in me giving like we are we you have whatever it is it is that is individual about you and specific to you, you own that because mm-hmm. that is special and like no one else can recreate that. Mm-hmm. But that's just my that's just my MO. That's just my particular way of going on. It's a way that served me well in terms of like, but like it's not, people get, see, no one is in a position to give advice yeah. to students, to people who want to be actors, because unlike any other profession, it is incredibly specific to you as a person and to your experience. So mm. for me to go, well, young actors need to be doing this. That's, and like anyone, it's, it's horseshit. Like, and anyone yeah. who's saying, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. No, you should be trying your best mm. and you should be proud of yourself and who you are and what you want to do. And, what, and more importantly, what you want to say um, in your work and in so on and so forth. So on and so forth. Um, so like, I'm like, I really appreciate being asked to talk on the podcast, but like, I, know I would never feel qualified to offer advice mm. the only thing i could say is is go out there and swing for the fences and as cliched as it sounds is tr- not be yourself but trust yourself yeah. trust yourself more than anyone else i love how you say you're not giving advice and you actually make a really interesting point about that 
would you do that by giving advice? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. You, I think I think what you say is is very true. There is something um, very personal, even in terms of what you were saying, the kind of actor that you are and the kind of roles that you would go for, you would like, or what you're fitted to, or you know what I mean. Nobody can tell you what what's right for you or you know what what kind of roles would work for you or or how you can change yourself when I say change yourself I don't mean you know don't change yourself but how you can develop yourself in terms of your limits and 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 the kind of roles you can play and that kind of thing see that's like I would question how many people actually know you genuinely know you to your like when you sit like I went through my entire 20s trying to make people laugh and yeah. trying to impress people and trying to project some degree of validity wherein and just by virtue of like just being around that little bit longer and like I am, only, I am I mean I'm only 31 like you know hard to believe you're not honest. you're not quite over the hill at this not stage quite over the hill yet <laughs> but like I've just kind of in a way I really kind of like sat into my sat into myself or really kind of like have relinquished that control mm. over because you say to yourself, oh, I'll get into this drama school and it'll be all right. And it may or may not be. Or I'll do this thing and it'll be all right. And it may or may not be. But at the end of the day, you only have to sit with yourself in that space. Mm. And you only have yourself in, not in any kind of, not in any kind of like nihilistic, you know what I mean? Mm. Nobody loves you kind of way. That's not what I get <laughs> at all. But like, you know what I mean? Brass tacks, like when your back is to the wall, it's your back against the wall. Yeah. And like, being comfortable in your skin is just so important in regardless of whether you want to be an actor or whether you like I think everybody should go to drama school but mm. rather regardless if they want to be an actor or not because yeah. I was put through it sounds like it was torture but no it was like I had to reckon with aspects of myself that I didn't mm. particularly like and yeah. having gone through that process coming out the far side and then a couple of years for that to percolate and to kind of like sit in myself I know myself better now than I ever have mm. by virtue of actor training and so on and so forth. And that like, you know, it's, and it's all right. Like, I call yeah. you, you, you end up liking yourself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, in, in a way that's not like, you know, you know, you, you think you're great, but in a way that's kind yeah. of like. Irish and appropriate. You don't have I, notions. Yeah. I am, you know, I'm messy and I'm flawed and this and that, but so is everyone. And that's okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. this sounds like more like therapy than... Um, no, no, it's really interesting. And no, uh, but even, because even, you know, that's one thing that, now, you know, the, the, the programme I teach on isn't specifically um, actor training or, or drama school. No, we do do elements of that within it. But uh, like I always say to, um, in fairness, generally parents who are a bit worried about their, their children who want to go and, and do drama, we say to them that actually you learn a huge amount about yourself you learn confidence you learn to push yourself you learn when it's appropriate to push yourself um you know I hate the term but thinking outside the box you do learn all of those kind of things that actually no matter what you go on and do it will stand to you the soft skills you learn in drama school is incredible because you're put in an environment for two years with 25 incredibly emotional sensitive high strong people who Mm. are in a very tense situation and you don't kill anyone Generally speaking. So if you can manage... <laughs> Where to did you hide the body? Years, so, sorry? Where have you hidden the bodies? <laughs> um, 
But like, if you can manage to get through, if you manage to get through that, you'll get through anything. And in any kind of difficult work scenario, difficult, like managing egos or, mm-hmm. you know, like man management in terms of like knowing who needs a pat in the back or who needs a kick in the arse and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, being able to read people because like you're entirely devoted to studying, like some of the words that went in my mouth make me kind of like hate myself. Um, despite the fact I've gone about loving yourself, but anyway, um, but like you really kind of like study like you know the minutia of humanity. Yeah. So like so then when you get to like like you're always thinking about it. So then when you get to regular life, you're just kind of like, oh, it's kind of like Bradley Cooper and Limitless going, hang on a second, yeah. I'm brilliant at social interactions. If you're that type of person, or maybe yeah, you're yeah. not, I'm sorry, I'm rabbiting now. I'm just no, no, of, that's that's who are you know like yeah, are of and, an anxious position and so on, support like so. It's no, but look, that's something that's something that I always say to people about about studying drama and these kind of things. Like, they, it is amazing, kind of. You know, it's it's not about what you learn on paper. I mean, it, it is in terms of getting a degree and all the rest of it, but there is a, a huge amount more to it. And what made you decide to? look at the London schools or did you look at say the likes of the Lear that here um or Gay School of Acting right I did I um I was before like I auditioned for the Lear and um I, I was lucky enough to be I was lucky enough to get a place mm-hmm. and um like we see I looked at um but see, this is all. This is this is it as well. You see, so twenty-year-old or twenty-two-year-old me was like Benedict Cumberbatch came from Lambda. I want to go to Lambda. Me and Benedict Cumberbatch could not be more different as yeah. actors. I imagine. Yeah. I know. I've never met the man, so he could be different as people, but maybe he's mm. just a leaking farmer. In uh, could in, be. Uh, maybe he's cheese. acting. Maybe he's yeah, acting yeah. as Benedict Cumberbatch, maybe and he's, he's really literal. He's actually my long-lost brother. Yeah. Um, now with those cheap ones, definitely. <laughs> um, so 21 year old me was filled with this mm. ambition and these massive notions, and these you know what I mean. And like, it could absolutely look at it in a, in, on, a, on a different side of things, it could have completely, you know what I mean, it could have completely went the way that I thought it was going to go. Yeah, but you got to give yourself that shot when you're 21 years old and you're presented an opportunity like that. Whereas actually the smart money was probably for me to go to the Lear because, you know what I mean, Irish theatre would be my bread and butter, would mm. have been my bread and butter had I, mm. you know what I mean, had I forged those relationships and so on and so forth mm. in Dublin. And like something, like something that I, not struggle with, but something that I think about like to this day, like maybe I would have been better suited in the Lear as opposed to going to Lambda. Mm. Um, and I like, put like, you know, yeah. Uh, but as a friend of mine said to me, if you went back in time 10 years ago and said you got it, you got into Lambda and you, got in, and you got into the Lear, sort of like like me being a clown at 22 years of age, thinking I was going to take over the world, like <laughs> I was always going to go to Lambda. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, you, you could always have the argument though, as well, that, you know, perhaps in London with your Leitrim accent and, and all of that, that in some ways that made you more different or, you know, more unique in some ways there. Whereas in the Lear, there would have been, you know, kind of social context that I that I encountered. Um, mm. That while I was in London, now I, as you can hear, have quite a strong Legion accent, which has been an absolute blessing in mm. some ways. But when I went to England, I had to repeat myself every single sentence for six years. So it was wow. KSI, 
I went to the bar and I would have to put on an English accent to order two mm. points, points of lager, please, mate. Um, wow. Yeah, like, so I, what I'm saying is a degree of awareness as to if I had a, a slightly, you know, more tuned in degree of awareness, I probably would have, I, I probably would actually probably went through the year. I'm could maybe have worked more, you know what I mean? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but uh, you know what I mean? Like Leitrim was a small place. I'm not saying I can obviously do more things than that, but like let's take it as a standoff point. Like yeah, your wheel. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's an awful lot more opportunity for people with broad country accent, country accents in Ireland than there would so really be in the UK. But I didn't factor this in in terms of taking over the world. Exactly. At the time. I didn't factor in all this. I didn't have the benefit of hindsight, which yeah. I do now. Yeah. Um but yeah, like I suppose I don't know, like Sorry, what was what was the question? Who knows? I oh, know I was just asking about, about looking at the Lear versus versus looking at London. And both look at the Lear and the Gaiety and the standard train in Ireland is excellent. Yeah. There's nothing I made that that was I made that decision. I applied everywhere and I, mm. you know what I mean, had these lofty notions of um be, you know. Uh, you uh, and Benedict. Yeah. Winning an Oscar with the age of 26, like, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was, that's, you know what I mean? That's kind of like where I was at as a person at that time kind mm. of thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I wish yeah. I and, and I think everybody, but to be honest, I think we'd probably all make the same decision at the same time. You do know what I mean? And, and there is an element of um, what's for you won't pass you by anyway. So, you know, it, it yeah. was right for you. Wait, I suppose we, to do, like. we would have, we would have different, um, outlooks on that particular statement <laughs> uh, my whole philosophy built on the fact that if you can't affect your environment what are you doing here in the first place <laughs> and you see here we have the arts graduate of the engineer <laughs> yeah and I'm the one who's I'm the one who's quoting I don't know a philosopher philosopher fox exactly um, yeah okay so tell us then um tell us about some of the some of the shows that you've that you've done what like what kind of would be your favorite roles or your biggest roles or you know what kind of work have you done either in Ireland or or in the UK? I my I suppose my career highlight was playing it's, it's like it's over now so my career highlight so far <laughs> I'd like to say is was um yeah I'm still available for work guys anyone out there listening. We're allowed shameless um, plugs are no, very welcome on this podcast. Shameless uh, plug yourself away. <laughs> Great crack and good at acting. Um, no, my my highlight, my the job that I enjoyed. This is the thing you see. So, like career-wise, my mm-hmm. job in I did uh, played a detective and Taken Down, which was on there mm-hmm. a couple of years ago in RT. I played Fitzer, and you know, what I mean, like in terms of like my capabilities as an actor, it was firmly in my wheelhouse. I was, you know, what I mean, that kind of thing. I was in my element. Yeah. It was the kind of stuff that I always dreamed of doing as cops and robbers, you know what I mean? Like I was like a hair's breadth away from sliding over a car bonnet. Like it was chasing down, kicking indoors, generally just causing I do, I do remember watching it every week going, mm, that's that's just Foxy. I'm, I'm not sure if he's acting. He's he's acting as a guard, but it's it's pretty much just Foxy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it could be like, it's Foxy if you want to send him more. Yeah, uh, basically, yeah. I, I, I wasn't a big softy behind it all. Um, so that was kind of, um, yeah, so that was like, for me, it was like very much a career highlight. That was like when then auditions started to come in and we could really start to feel momentum. And that was, mm. that was really kind of like, 
um, you know, it was great. Like, and I really mm. enjoyed it. I love working on TV and film. And like, it's, it was just, I really, it was, it was great. Mm. But then the most artistically pleasing or the most artistically fulfilling, fulfilling job was a show called Meet in Theatre 503 in Battersea. Mm. So that was actually my, yeah, that that was then, that was my the first time I played a lead role on stage professionally. So that was written by Gillian Greer and directed by Lucy Atkinson. And mm. I was, um, are you, uh, well, just the, for the plot of the play is mm. um, a couple, sorry, and a, a two, uh, my character's called Ronan. He's a very famous chef. He owns his own restaurant. And his ex of about 10 years comes in and she's a blogger. And uh, she's he wants to show off his restaurant, so on and so forth. And over the course of the evening, um, she um, informs him of the fact that he raped her back when they were going out. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, at first rejects that. And then he has to kind of, he's kind of come to terms with that. And the whole crux and balance of the play is that um, that Ronan is still a good person and has mm-hmm. committed a horrific act. Yeah. And there's still an awful lot of love there between, well, like he's still in love with her and could never figure out why the relationship fell apart while she still loves him, but is very much not in love with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, the, the and forgive the pun, but the apps, the depth and the meat and breadth of that role was just incredible to get to get my to get my teeth into. I'm sorry, I'm speaking in um, meaty terms, <laughs> carnivorous metaphors. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that was a, and like that like that was a challenge, like and that, and that, and, that, and also as well, it cost you something, like and you know when something is when something is worthy because. It costs you something because you you have, you got to go there, like you know what I mean, and like no one likes being there, but like you know that it's that it's in that it's in it's in service of something that is like you know what I mean, a, a piece of art, like and, yeah. I, and I don't like to talk about like stuff in terms of like because I have my own kind of idea of like you know what art like art and a trade and playing a trade and what art is and so on and so forth because I think sometimes that those terms tend to you know um may kind of make it Elite almost meaning elitist in a way. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I had friends who came to see that play who saw the message to that play and then went, Jesus Foxy, I never thought of it like that. And for me, like that was the greatest award that I could have got. So then there was there was actual social merit to that piece. Yeah. Now I really enjoyed taking down and I would kick in doors like you wouldn't believe. Again, like, he's what, available for work. When I when, when I walk, but like when I wanted, that's the kind of work that I really, really want to do. It's yeah. the stuff that you kind of like. Oh God, yeah. we're in there now, lads. We're in the trenches here. So yeah, yeah I suppose that'd be my two flip sides. And like I did, like I did my first one of my, my first theatre gig at a drama school was understudy at the Globe. I had to learn like seven, eight different parts and could go on at a moment. It was swing. So I was like, um, had to earn, learn eight or nine different parts and had to go on at a moment's notice. And it was, yeah. it was terrifying, but my capacity for attaining text after that, after that um, dramatically increased. Like rain man yeah. and stuff now. 
So that, like that had its own merit in that regard. Oh, but I think every I think every show you're in, every experience like this, you learn something different from everyone that you do, you know, and and, Absolutely. Even, and and you even, as I said, you know, you even learn stuff from the bad stuff that you do. You know, I remember in student theater doing a couple of shows that I, you know, weren't the most wonderful, but actually you you learn you don't want to do that again. <laughs> but even as you were saying earlier, in terms of like you know, dealing with an actor who's just not giving you anything back. I mean, I remember doing one show, a nameless show in Dramsock, and my my scene partner just just gave me nothing. And you learn even how to carry an actor. You learn these, you know, you, you learn these skills, and actually, there's something that you can take and and bring into hopefully better roles. <laughs> I have. I can actually draw the side of one particular actor's head from memory. Wow. That's like yeah. like not once, not even a side eye. Oh god, oh here. Yeah. Just, um but anyway, sure like yeah. but those are the things you learn, like you know, like it's oh, yeah, yeah. You're not on your feet, like you know what I mean? Um, mm. like the, like every job you do. I think you need to go in, I think you need to go into a job, even the jobs that some jobs you're gonna do that aren't gonna be great, and you know they're not gonna be great, mm. and you do the best you can with what you have or whatever like you present yourself as best you can but in order you've got to make a work for yourself so whatever that is if it's the first time you've ever tried a particular accent on stage or something like that you've got to I, I'd be of the opinion you've got to come away with something as opposed to just the cash in your hip pocket mm. you know what I mean something a little bit of personal development push yourself into an area that you wouldn't otherwise be that comfortable in you know every every like every moment you step on a stage is a privilege yeah. and it needs it, 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 like to use it wisely obviously be present but to use it wisely it's making sure that you get more moments of those on stage you see you're all about the not giving advice and yet here you are Foxy the philosopher who knew <laughs> and I suppose then you think after four or five pints it was some shite talk <laughs> and I suppose then you, you mentioned um, you know that that the day job at the moment is is as as an engineer and you know, again, I hate bringing up the C word, but it seems like COVID is 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 all around us and has been. It's as if it's never not been there now. Um, how? What are your plans, or what are you hoping for post COVID? Or you know, where I where have, do you think actors can go? I have no plan because that way madness lies. I'm going to take the first opportunity that presents itself to me and grasp both hands mm-hmm. and see where it leads me, because. This is and this is something else. Like I've done a lot of thinking about this, and mm. myself and my friends get together. You know what I mean? We're all in a similar kind. Like a lot of us are in a similar kind of boat. Like like mm. some people have done at our age have done very very well, mm. um, and more power to them. And some people haven't done as well. And there's, you know, I mean, there is no rhyme or reason to this. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, like Donald Trump was president of America. You're living in a post-truth society. It does not matter. <laughs> Some there is no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. So it's more about salvaging, I think, those moments that mean a lot to you. Mm. Or it's about, you know what I mean? Also kind of like um accepting that you you are that leaf blown in the storm uh, to a certain degree. Mm. Um because like if you start like I remember doing meat and I was thinking it was going really well, we were getting those good reviews. I was, I was lucky that I was Boo myself quite well, and I was like, "That's it. and I had loads of people. I loads of people in to see it, and 
you know I mean, like, like this is going to be the the, the start because I didn't work with it for maybe a year after I did the taking down in the gaiety. I think it was only full year, and like then I had quite a few of auditions, and then nothing panned out, and I just mm-hmm. like my the whole my whole momentum that I built up to from taking down and the gaiety had evaporated. So I was really starting from scratch again, dead ball back in when I was back in England. And like my found my mind just going, oh yeah, so it'll be this and then, then this next and then I must get in touch with this. So yeah, just, and then COVID happened and none of that yeah. materialized. Yeah. So you end up just like, I don't play the lotto because every time my numbers don't come up, I get annoyed. So you have to kind of adopt that mentality with when you're doing a piece. When you're doing a piece, Again, more advice, but this is what something that, and this is only because I bang my head against this numerous occasions. When you're doing a piece, you have to be okay with the fact that you might never act again. And you've yeah. got to make that piece as good as it can be because it may well be the very last time you stand on the stage for whatever reason. Yeah. So, and like everything has to, everything you do has got to be, have its weight is underneath so its own merit. Everything has to have its own merit. You cannot. You cannot give a performance as, you know, the performance that you want to give with one eye on the ball and one eye looking towards what's coming through the door. Mm. So, and you don't need to drive yourself mad anyway. The whole idea is this. If you can manage to eke out a living between jobs and not drive yourself mad, you'll have a, you know, semi, you know, successful, happy life as, you know, a job and actor. You know what I mean? Not driving yourself mad and trying to make a few pounds so you can have a reasonable standard of life with the two things that you need to focus on when you're not working, which is most of the time, unfortunately. <laughs> well, do you know what? I think I think that's that's a wonderful place to to leave it. Um, thank you so, so much for coming on. I, it has been. Look, we, we're mates a long time and, and I asked you to come on this because, you know, we haven't chatted to an actor yet. And I, I thought it'd be interesting in that. I have to say it's it's been really, really cool um, and deeper and more philosophical than than you know um than i perhaps expected so, <laughs> exactly so thank you so so much sean for coming on and chatting with us um if people are looking for you if they want to find you um i don't know just just look look you up on instagram or yeah follow I, your uh, philosophical musings along there yeah i'm quite quiet on instagram unless i'm in something then i am all over it. <laughs> so uh, i'm on the score just call me boxy because yeah, just call me Foxy. Just, just call you Foxy. Yeah, it's it's a long story and it's it's much more straightforward. Well, thank you so, actually, so 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 much. There's yeah. Another actor Sean there's actually another actor called Sean Fox uh, who was in this film called Three Ninjas, and I get like five Instagram DMs a day from people in Argentina, 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 Ar- Ar- Argentina. Argentina. <laughs> it wasn't uh, geography you did. It was Grant. Engineering yeah. and geography. I know this. Come on. Blue and white. Let's go. Um, Argentina. Um, at least five messages a day going. We loved yeah. you in that film. Um, Three Ninjas. Wrong Sean Fox. Um, Why don't you just say, look, do you know what? Thanks. Can you just make sure I get the royalty checks, please? And thank you. That would be a very good idea. But instead, <laughs> I just have a, a compilation of stories mocking them. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you so, so much, Sean. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Lovely. Thanks, Carol.